Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. Hey, it's Adam. And we're going to have John Forsland and EJ Raddick on the podcast today. The voice of the Hurricanes, Forsland, will join us in a minute. And then after our conversation, which covers some of the good and some of the worries through nine games, we will talk to NHL Network former ESPN scribe EJ Raddick to talk about a more national perspective of the Carolina Hurricanes. But I thought I would use this portion of the podcast to just give a shout out and send some good vibes and love to Mike Maniscalco, uh, former uh, former fanner here. I don't even know if that's a term, but it is today. Um, we uh, we found out that Mike had had fallen ill over uh, out on the West Coast, and they discovered a mass in his abdomen, and he flew back to have surgery. And hopefully, everything will turn out well, and Mike, the big rig, will be back. Uh, on the track, on the sidelines, on the at the rink, uh, very very soon. Uh, the Hurricanes are his absolute passion, uh, other than of course his wife, <laughs> uh, but and the Yankees, I guess. Uh, but the Hurricanes are his passion, and you can tell every single time he talks about him, whether he's on on camera, not on camera, walking around, talking to people. Uh, Mike just exudes love for the franchise and absolutely respect all of that. Uh, he's also a friend, and I just wish him a speedy recovery. So uh, that's the Mike Maniscalco, I hope he gets better portion of this podcast. Uh, so thoughts to him. And now we'll, we will proceed with the entertainment portion of the Kane's Corner podcast. This is the Kane's Corner podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Kane's Corner podcast, Adam Gold. All right, the one and only John Forsland is here. It is the Kane's Corner podcast. We're going to have uh, kind of a quick conversation and then EJ Raddick from NHL Network will Stop by and we'll get a more of a national perspective, although we get all the national perspective we want from the voice of hockey on NBC Sportsnet, John Forslund. All right, John, uh, I want to start with some positives because I was told that if we're going to uh, express concerns, we have to talk about uh, positives. So let's start with Eric Halla uh, through uh, nine games, seven goals, and he has been... I mean, he's lived essentially right at the front of the net. Uh, and when you look at Halla, you don't really think that that's where he exists because he's got all the speed and he's got skill, but, man, he has made a living right at the top of the crease. Well, he's been in a great slot. I mean, at five-on-five, five, he's been able to play, you know, on the third line essentially and, and go up against five-six defense pairings, which is in his wheelhouse as a guy who's been a two-center in the league and a guy who scored – 29 goals a couple of years ago with Vegas. So uh, that's been a good thing for him. But on the power play, uh, that unit uh, is, is, you know, early in the season was red hot. Um, they had a little bit of a tail off. They're, yeah. they're right there again Friday night. But he, he's great in all areas where they ask him to be, whether it be in back of the net, where it be uh, on the goal line, 
in front of the net where he was to score against the Ducks, full value. And he's been a good penalty killer. He's been great in the faceoff circle. Um, it's been an excellent acquisition. You know, moving forward, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him mm-hmm. uh, down the road, being that he's in a contract year. But so far, so good. Yeah, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna worry too much about that at this point. Uh, we were thinking about the same thing about Michael Furlan in the early going uh, a year ago. And, of course, we have to uh, concern ourselves with health. I know it's an upper body issue, and, I, and you know, his health last year was lower body, so it's good, uh, at least in that regard. Uh, but he uh, didn't practice on Sunday, didn't practice on Monday. And Rod Brindamore says, we're not worried about Thursday, uh, but for a team carrying just 11 forwards, I don't know. I'd worry. <laughs> I'd worry, too. Um, I'm kind of surprised they're at the number they're at. I think there's some behind-the-scenes stuff going on with the salary cap. I think there's a recapturing of money, you know, at the level mm-hmm. they're at. I think they're worried about another player going down and what that would, how that would affect the cap issues. Uh, whether they're looking down the road to add a player or make a trade, that probably comes into play too. So during this little hiatus they're on here where they're practicing and getting ready to play on Thursday, you know, it's below minimum because of these injuries. Um, Eric uh, seemed to be okay on the way home. Um, didn't look like a player, and obviously now we know it's not a concussion. Um, I, would, I would speculate it might be a shoulder issue or something like that. Uh, based on you know the collision mm-hmm. and how he went down, but if if Rod's saying that, then I would I would bank on him for Thursday because if not, they're going to have to take some kind of um, measures to assure they're they at least can play, right? Yeah, and there's there's no question about that. There are guys down in uh, Charlotte who are uh, playing well in terms of scoring. Julian Gauthier had a couple of goals. Morgan Geeky had a big night. Uh, Chase Prisky is another guy. They don't, they don't need a defenseman now that uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk's healthy. Uh, but Chase Prisky had a four-point a four night as a rookie. That isn't bad. Let's let's talk about the defense. Obviously, things are great. Dougie Hamilton has played well, really well, and really in both ends, both areas of the ice, offensively and defensively. Uh, but Trevor Van Riemsdyk uh, has uh, has returned. Uh, but I don't I don't see a Hayden Flurry kind of giving up his spot too much because I thought he played pretty well at Anaheim. He scored his goal. Uh, which we've been waiting 96 games for that. Uh, but uh, what do you what do you make of the the seven defenseman rotation? Well, first of all, Hayden's doing a really good job hanging in there. And you're right; I think he's he's desperate for his position, desperate for his job, wants to make sure he doesn't relinquish it. Although it's natural that when Van Van Riemsdyk is a hundred percent, which I don't think he really is, he's about 90. You know, he he's in and he's a needed guy as a right-handed shot. We've talked about the as a really good number six defense. Yeah. Now to be fair to Hayden Flurry, he's played all of this time on his offside. And I had a nice uh, long chat with Rod about this on Friday. And, you know, Rod wants to be fair to Flurry too, wants to see him play a little bit more on the left side. Once TVR is completely back just to see the, the complete evaluation on Flurry you know, moving forward. What's interesting, what's happening here, Adam, is Joel Edmondson and Jake Gardner. And I really think the team is in between on where Gardner is, Mm -hmm. where he's supposed to play. And where he is, is for me, a number five defenseman. Where he's supposed to play really is a 
top power play guy in, in your second pair. And they're kind of force-feeding a second-pairing situation with Gardner at the expense of Edmondson, who's been very good. Yeah. And uh, Edmondson, as we said, when he was acquired, for me, he's a hybrid. Uh, he cannot be just categorized as a third-pairing guy. He can easily be a second-pairing guy. And I think he and Pesci have a nice chemistry. So I think there's some gray area among this group of six with Pesci, Hamilton, and Slavin being the locks, and then they're trying to fill in the rest right now. And that might have something to do with the indifferent play we've seen out west and counting the Columbus game. So three losses in their last four games. Yeah, That's going to have to be settled, and you're going to have to get guys in set positions to get a little bit more continuity. It certainly is a uh, good problem to have to have as many good defensemen as they have, and we we haven't seen the best of Jake Gardner. We understand that, and we we do need uh, to see Trevor Van Reems like back to a hundred percent. All right, uh, now to uh, a couple of concerns that I have. I'm sure I'm not alone. Nine games into the season, Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Svechnikov, and Nino Niederreiter have combined for zero goals past a goaltender. I'm not saying that there haven't, hasn't been good play in among those three players, although it varies, but I'm concerned that those guys have not been scoring goals. Uh, nine games in, small sample size, but it's one-ninth of the season, and those guys shouldn't have zero. Yeah, you know, situations like this call for just a um, as clean and simple evaluation as possible, so... When this happens, because it's easy to get into the possession numbers, it's easy to get into um, making value judgments on how, how guys play, the old cliche, but they're not hurting the team, you know, things like that. Um, I like the two-way game, you know, things that coaches will say when mm-hmm. guys you count on to score are struggling. I just say, you know, you kind of roll back, and if someone said in August, you know, these are the numbers you'd see for these three players, and you'd be nine games in, and you'd be looking for Aho and Svechnikov to score on a goalie instead of an empty net, and Niederreiter to be in the penalty box as much as he has been in the seeds, no goals for him, you would throw a red flag up. You would say, that's not right. But the good news is they're 6-3. and three. Uh, But it has to change because the trend lately has been more on the losing side, to be fair. So it's going to catch up with them before long. Um, I still think Sebastian is, is pressing. I think Niederreiter has a lot to do with this. Niederreiter's had opportunities mm-hmm. to finish. He had some some outstanding scoring chances in Anaheim that he couldn't finish Friday night. Um, it's good that he's there in the scoring zone. It's good that he's getting the puck. But where's the finish? And then, you know, if it's not there, work a little bit harder. Um, you know, don't find yourself in a position where you're caught and you're, in, you're taking an obstruction penalty. You're in the penalty box. You know, don't do that. In, in Svetch's case, his game's good, but he too has been victimized by penalties. Mm-hmm. And the most recent game, I thought he was starting to blindly throw the puck around again. Um, passes, lateral passes across the blue line that don't make a lot of sense. You know, uh, the one thing that he improved on last year, he became more of a directional player. And he has to be an A to B north and south player for me. Um, he's, he's got a lot of power. He's got a terrific shot. He knows how to score. He has the willingness to be physical. We'll do those things. And, and don't worry about, you know, getting cutesy. And remember, we talked about that during training camp, about the one thing to guard against with Svechnikov making the leap from a, a rookie with 20 goals on the third line 
to a counted on top six players. Don't fall into the trap of thinking you have to get fancy to score. Mm-hmm. Just do the things you need to do. Now, you know, do, does the team need to change some lines around? Maybe, but I think these injuries are are kind of hampering Rod's creativity with his line combinations. Um, I, I think right now you have to have Hall 100% yeah. in order to make some changes. You have to look long and hard at, you know, moving Svetch maybe. Does he move to Aho's line? Does Aho move? I mean, I don't think that's out of the realm. I don't think uh, to get him going, maybe you have to loosen him up a little bit and get him back on the wing. Um, I, I know Rod's kind of been considering that in the back of his mind. So um, it'll be interesting, but they have to get 100% healthy with all of their forwards and have enough forwards to kind of uh, fool around with combinations in practice. Well, if you only have 10 forwards, you can play, uh, right. you can just rotate them around and it doesn't even matter. John Forslund <laughs> here on the Canes yeah. Corner Podcast. Um, here, Here's something that has been evident to me and it it's somewhat bothersome. We knew going into the season that uh, with Justin Williams stepping away and some of the moves that they made, uh, no Greg McKegg, things like that, um, and that's fine. Allowing Greg McKegg to walk, is, it is what it is. Um, but they were kind of light in terms of their grit factor. I haven't seen a great forecheck from this team, and I think those two things are related. And with Jordan Martinook being out for a month, month and a half, maybe two months, uh, that just magnifies that problem. Am I wrong to be worried about that? No, I don't think so. I always have been, right? So I don't I don't think so. And I think the other thing that will happen before the end of the season is they will figure out a fourth line of impact. Now, um, right now, the way it is with Martinuk's injury, Lucas Walmark as the center, Warren Fogle, kind of a sleepy start. You know, they're not really getting quality minutes from the fourth line. Every team that's successful in the NHL gets quality impact one way or the other from the fourth line. It's either a fourth line that can turn around momentum like the Islanders have, like Mm -hmm. physical energy, or it's a fourth line that the Bruins have had that not only can be physical, but can support your scoring. Those two things are not happening right now. It's hard to be consistent. It's hard to have an established Forecheck, it's hard to play the way the Hurricanes want to play with speed and energy because if you're not getting enough from your fourth line, do the math. You're counting on nine guys instead of 12, and you have to have 12. You have to have 12 moving. When the Canes got to their game in the second half last year, 12 moving all the time. They found a fourth-line center in McKegg. They found a guy that could completely fill what you need there in terms of three-zone play, face-off prowess, and the odd ability to score. And Lucas Walmark was drafted and developed to be a top-six center. He's not going to be a top-six center in the NHL, but he could be a very good three. Mm -hmm. And I'm not 100% sure he fits the mold enough because I think he's got more to give offensively than he's allowed to do in the role he's in. And if he is going to be the fourth-line center, then his wingers have to be better than they have been. So without Martinuk, and that's a big loss because yeah. the room's a little bit more quiet, the play in the ice is quiet, the bench is quiet. If, if that happens to Halla Friday night, and God love Joel Edmondson for what he did, but if Martinuk's in the game, he's chirping too or he's doing something, but there's more noise. And certainly when they had Furlan last year, they had that. 
They don't have that right now. So it lightens up the roster. I, I would think they're thinking about ways to adjust that as you get deeper into the season. Yeah, I don't know if uh, – I mean, I, there, there have been various trade rumors. I don't think any of those trade rumors address uh, what the no. Hurricanes lack at this point. There is a guy living in Cary uh, that maybe uh, they could drive by his house and see if he wants to play, but uh, I'm not sure that he uh, he actually does uh, want to play and that's uh, and that's fine final thing and I think this is probably more positive than negative uh, the fir- for the first time in Rod Brindamore's tenure as a head coach uh, he had to go uh, go to the bullpen I mean he had to get a pull a goaltender and I don't know yeah. that it was Peter Mrazek's fault although I don't think Peter Mrazek was great I think there was a lot of loose play in front of him uh, but that's the first time um, I'm not really worried about the goaltending but it hasn't been great at this point, it's been good enough, I think. Well, it has been good enough. And in, in Peter's case, you know, he was sensational in Los Angeles. Yeah. And he needed a game where he saw more rubber than he had. In some of the wins he's had, he, you know, wasn't severely tested. And the Tampa Bay game took it to another level. But <laughs> that start against L.A. was him. Yeah. And they get the two points on the trip because of him. Yeah. First and, star. Right. And the way he played Friday night, you know, they, they needed him better at the early stages of the game than he was. Then it got out of control. He was fighting the puck. Even the saves he was making, he was overly aggressive. He was punching down pucks, yeah. uh, you know, in places you shouldn't. He wasn't controlling rebounds. You know, that that's just when he gets going and he can feel that he's not on his game. He tries to do way too much, and the bad Peter creeps in. So Rod gets the hook out for the first time in his career, and Reimer goes in. Reimer's been okay um very good in the two and then kind of you know mixed bag so here's the deal like we've said before the goaltending was so great in the second half of the year this goaltending still needs to be at a great level for this team to be successful and get back to the playoffs again and the two starter will have to deliver and it's too early to gauge it's too early peter is in terms of being consistent and being a guy who's a budding one and it's too early to tell on Reimer. But the deeper this moves on and you get into November and you get a few more back-to-backs, the judgment will be made on the second starter, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes because this is a two-goalie team. Yep. This is not a one-goalie team. It's a two-goalie team, was last year, is again, and it's going to be a big part of the equation. John Forzen, you're the best. Uh, what are you going to do with the rest of your week? Do you have, you, you have an NBC game? I, I don't this week. It really starts going next week. So next Wednesday night, I'm in St. Louis for Minnesota, St. Louis, and then I, it gets very busy. But I'm just enjoying this kind of uh, respite here and, and, and hoping for the best with Mike Maniscalco. I'm actually yeah. doing the Canes Corner for him tonight. So uh, we hope, obviously, our prayers and thoughts with the family there. Yeah, uh, we want the big rig uh, out of the shop and back on the, uh, back on the track. Absolutely. As always, thank John Forslund for his time. And now we need more of a national perspective. We bring in EJ Raddick from the NHL Network, one of our absolute favorites. You can watch him uh, every weekday throughout the season, 4 o'clock. It's NHL Now. You can visit NHLnetwork.com for your local channel listings. All right, 5-0 and start, 6-2. and uh, I realize they have uh, one more game to uh, to finish off the road trip in Anaheim against a Ducks team that is actually off to a very good start and just might be good because you never know 
year to year. So what's the what's the skinny in the newsroom over at NHL Network about the six and two Metropolitan Division leading Hurricanes? They're good. That's the skinny. They're really good. I mean, I, I, I like their team all the way through. Um, I was interested to see how things were going to start this year because sometimes when a group has a season like they had last year, there is a, maybe a little re- regression or uh, a little bit of a feeling of uh, accomplishment uh, beyond what they actually did, which was pretty good. I mean, they made it to the Eastern Conference Final. <laughs> but uh, they've come out, I think, with Rob Brindamore there. Um, he's someone that holds everybody accountable, and he's got a great grasp of that uh, of the game and of his team. And um, they've come out and been great. They've made some nice acquisitions in the off seasons, and interesting ones that have uh, given them, I, I think, maybe even a little bit more uh, strength in the areas that they want to be good in. Uh, and my only question mark is is really like with the goaltending. Mm-hmm. Will Morazic be as good as uh, he was in the second half of last year? Because he's been someone that's been known to be inconsistent in his pretty still relatively young career. And James Reimer as a number two, can he be as good as Curtis McElhaney? And that's that's the big question, although he has started pretty well in the first couple of games. Yeah, well, he's, I think he saw a billion shots uh, in the game in Florida, I mean, it was just remarkable uh, what uh, what the Hurricanes allowed Florida to do is almost what the Hurricanes was the opposite of what the Hurricanes did against Tampa that night yep. when the Lightning had two shots over the last 44 minutes of that game. One of the things that has been really good, and I want your perspective on this player anyway, uh, is not just the scoring of Dougie Hamilton, who scored his fifth goal of the season uh, in the loss to San Jose, uh, but he's doing things defensively and killing penalties that he's never been asked to do. Uh, and to me, that is the, the the biggest reason for this start has been the play of Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, he's been terrific. I mean, I have to say, he has absolutely been terrific, and he's always been a really good player. He was a high draft pick. He was in you know Boston, then he went to Calgary, and now he's in Carolina, but I, like most people and most players, they, they mature over time. And I think that Dougie is, you know, further along in the maturation process in both those areas. And he's getting more opportunity. And I think he feels really comfortable in Raleigh and real comfortable with the coaching staff. And, you know, I think his career is just, uh, it's taken another, it looks at least in these first eight games, uh, Adam, that he's taken another step. So, uh, He's been terrific, and uh, he's a big-body guy. You can use him in all situations, so why not? And that's yeah. what they're doing right now. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Whatever it is he's doing, just keep doing it because he's played very, very well. Yeah, you've you've covered E.J. Raddick from NHL Network is joining us here. You've you've covered the, the league for a long time. I mean, it is possible that, you know, maybe he just wasn't the right fit personality-wise in a city like Boston uh, or in a place like Calgary where there's a hyper-focus on everything the Flames do. I mean, you can float beneath the radar here. I mean, we have great hockey fans, and when the team is good, attendance will be fine, and the energy in the building is great. Uh, But if Dougie Hamilton goes through a bad stretch, he's not going to hear it all over the place. He's not even going to hear it on talk radio. We're not going to harangue Dougie Hamilton for for having a bad stretch of hockey. Maybe some guys just do better in that situation. Yeah, you know, maybe I I think that, you know, Adam, that in in talking about Dougie over the years with people that have uh, you know, been on those particular teams, he's a little bit of a different cat mm-hmm. as a uh as a person as to the uh, the hockey players that you usually, you know, come across. So I think uh sometimes 
you know, in a room with 20 or 22 other guys, when you're a little different, it, it kind of changes the dynamic, your relationships in that room. And, and again, he's a 19, 20 year old kid in those situations. Right. So, you know, uh, I think that, uh, you know, again, I just go back to the maturation process, really. I mean, D- Dougie Hamilton has been through a lot more now over the last four five, six years. He's seen a lot. He's experienced a lot on the ice. He's experienced, uh, you know, living as a, you know, a citizen and, uh, and and doing all the things that you need to do, right? So yeah. I think he's just very comfortable in his own skin right now, and I think he's just found a comfort zone there with the, with the, with the Hurricanes who went out and got him and embraced him and, and have made him a big part of their team. And I think Rod Brindamore is as straight a shooter as you're going to find, so I think Rod is straightforward with him. And, you know, I just think all those things have come together, but he was always a really talented player. And, um, you know, we're just seeing that now. So I think, and, and, you know, maybe some of that too is what you're saying is that, you know, life in Carolina can be a little easier on, on guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe that plays into it as well. But I just, I know in my conversations over the years that, you know, people would tell me, ah, oh, he's a little bit of a different guy, not a bad guy, just a little bit of a different guy than some of the teammates. And so, you know, maybe he's just found the right spot and, 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 you add that together with just being a little bit older and a little bit wiser and a little bit smarter, it makes it uh, a different story. Yeah, I know my conversations with him, uh, he's quiet, but he's really thoughtful. Uh, and I, yeah. I know that he loves his teammates. It is, it, yeah. the, more, the more I'm around the team, the more I see Hamilton, uh, in a way, being kind of protected. What happened in the uh, playoffs with Andrei Svechnikov and Alexander Ovechkin uh, last year, Dougie Hamilton, who, uh, I don't know, he's like big brother to yeah. Andrei Svechnikov and Warren Fogle, too. Um, Dougie's, uh, Dougie gets protective, and he takes those things to heart. Uh, it's really cool to watch. The dynamic with Hamilton and some of their younger players is, I think, uh, really fantastic. EJ Raddick. Well, that's a great thing. That's yeah. a great thing. You like, you like having that... Uh... You know, that camaraderie and that togetherness within your group. NHL now, weekdays throughout the season, 4 o'clock on NHL Network. Uh, what uh, what do you make of the just the defensive core as a whole? You have uh, Jacob Slavin, who had a great postseason. I th- thought Brett Pesci did as well. Both of those guys are off to good starts on both ends of the ice. They, I think, each have a couple of goals. Uh, they have been logging tons of ice time. Um, when people talk about the Hurricanes' defensive core, I mean, I know Hamilton's kind of the shiny object, and he's been great. But th- to me, those two guys are the, the the core of it. Yeah, they've been well. They've been drafted and developed by the Hurricanes. They've grown up there. Uh, you know, Pesci's the kid that's from the uh, you know from my neck of the woods up here in the New York, New Jersey area. So, got to to kind of chat with him during the postseason last year and learn a little bit more about his background. Slavin is just a horse. I mean, a couple of years ago, he really burst on the scene to me as someone that was going to be a really high-end player. I think, you know, as the Hurricanes had some struggles uh, in a couple of years, it, you know, he had some years that maybe weren't as uh, at, the, at the higher level, but I think he rediscovered his game. And again, a maturation process, you know, the more experience, growing as a person, growing as a player, I mean, I got a world of respect and uh, admiration for Jacob Slavin. Um, but I think you're right. Those are core guys drafted, developed by the Carolina Hurricanes. They brought in Dougie. They brought in Jake Gardner now, who's a terrific skater yeah. and a great puck mover. And, um, you know, that's, uh, I think, a really nice addition for their group. They added Joel Edmondson uh, to the team as well in the in the Justin mm-hmm. Fox trade. And Edmondson has been through, uh, you know, a championship run with the St. Louis Blues. So, 
that's that's a nice uh, intangible to have within that room. You know, and Hayden Fleury is another guy they've drafted and developed, and they're trying to bring him along as well. So it's a really good group. I mean, it's as good a group as there is in the National Hockey League right now, and uh, it's really the backbone of their team for me. All right, final thing for EJ Raddick from NHL Network, nhlnetwork.com, for uh, your local listings to find out where you can watch NHL now weekdays at 4 o'clock throughout the season. Uh, where does Carolina slot I know it's early and things will change 14 times between now and the beginning of April, but where do you think the Hurricanes slot in a metropolitan division, which I think by the end of it is going to be pretty stout? I know the Devils are off to a slow start, but um, where do you think the Hurricanes slot there? Well, I think they can fit right near the top. I mean, the, the question again I go back to is is how is the goaltending going to hold is going to hold up? I mean, they don't have you know, like Washington has a Braden Holtby right now. He's having a tough start to the season, but this is the guy that has has done it. He's been the guy there. Uh, Matt Murray of Pittsburgh, a younger guy, has had injury issues, but heck, he won two consecutive Stanley Cups there. So, you know, that's a guy that uh, you know is going to be, you know, their goaltender. Columbus is going through a little of that this year with the loss of Bobrovsky. The Islanders brought in Varlamov, who's a talented guy. They've got Grice as well. There's just a little bit more uh, experience there, let's say. Uh, Philadelphia is leaning on the young Carter Hart. The Rangers still have Henrik Lundqvist. The Devils, it's a little bit of a scramble right now as Corey Snyder mm-hmm. continues to try to find his game, and they have young Mackenzie Blackwood. So, Morazic is has been really good. I've, I like I like Peter as a junior. I liked him at the American Hockey League level. He helped, uh, I think it was Grand Rapids, win a, yeah. win a championship there. He helped Carolina get to the Eastern Conference Final last year. So, so Peter's game is, uh, you know, he's becoming more consistent. If he can continue to do that and James Reimer can, can step in when needed and play well, I think the Carolina Hurricanes have every bit of an opportunity to win the Metropolitan Division this year. But that will be the thing that I'll be watching. And, of course, the thing you can't really predict is injuries, you know, yeah. what what's going to take place during the season injury-wise. But when I look at their team, they come to play every night. They're great defensively. They move the puck quick. They got some really high-end young players. Svechnikov is off to a good start this year. Second overall pick, right? 19-year-old kid stepping up and playing well. I love the addition of Eric Halla. You know, I'm really happy for him that his career is back on track after a really nasty injury last year. And you wonder about that with speed players. But, you know, he's someone that went to a Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago and brings another level for you. So I I like their team. And, uh, you know, it certainly was no illusion or no myth that they got to the Eastern Conference final last year. The question for me was this year will be, you know, obviously staying healthy and, you know, how the goaltending is going to hold up. You're a smart man, E.J. Raddick. I thank you very much for the time. Uh, we'll, we will talk again, I promise. All right. Thanks, Adam. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.